Welcome to the EFA Actions podcast. I'm your host, Evelyn Fletcher, CEO and founder of Get a Grip of the Grind. This podcast explores the actions of ordinary women as they realize their big and small ambitions. Tame fears, get more out of life, or reignite your vibrancy. These women are truly mavericks in their own worlds. Listen to their stories as they follow their dreams and reshape their lives to be more satisfying for them. So today we're going to have a conversation with Jacintha Monroe. She studied environmental and marine science, but now she is HR director in a well-known Australian family business. She's an amazingly well-rounded executive with a massive passion for doing the best by her people, whether that's at work or at home. She has a very strong personal reflective practice that keeps her on track. Jacintha shares with us in this podcast how Get a Grip of the Grind gave her the confidence to quite successfully change things up for her and her executive team so how did you get introduced to um get a grip of the grind i fell upon get a grip of the grind <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was um i lucked in i think i was thinking about this question and thought um so i went to an event and uh a retreat, a Get a Grip of the Grind retreat um, was a door prize. And yeah. uh, I'd taken my colleague with me to the event. She actually won the door prize. She did. And she said, this sounds more like you. Here you go. You have it. What a gift. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the more I learnt about it, I, I saw so many opportunities for an experience like that to help other people who maybe had experienced something similar to me. I, I wished I'd known about it at the time when I was I was in a role that was really pretty challenging for me, it was a bit of a bruising experience. And I think it would have really helped me set a clear path and act more with a strategy in mind to determine my own destiny as opposed to letting you know the powers of the universe do it so let's talk just a little bit about what you do so people get a bit of context of potentially what sort of pickle you might have been in without probably divulging too much yeah sure so i um work in human resources it was again you know a result of the universe guiding me into that role it wasn't something that i you know as a child wanted to do and grew up and grew into um i studied environmental and marine science at university wow <laughs> met my um my now husband at an environmental community meeting and we we're working together on some voluntary work and you know funnily enough the universe again um, takes you in a direction and I was wanting to go back to study and he also did um, and we decided it was more important for him to do that for his career so I became the breadwinner and then human resources was where I where I landed and actually found that I really loved it and I loved the way that I could bring logic and problem solving into real people face every day. I've worked for some great organisations, worked my way up. I did eventually go back to study and studied my master's um, while I had two children under the age of five. And that was um, working full time. Yeah. <laughs> One way of looking at it, all right. <laughs> so I survived that. 
probably not long after I thought, you know, uh, moving into an executive role was really what I wanted. Um, and I wanted to be responsible for setting the course for people within an organisation that I really felt connected to. So I left the role that I was in that I'd loved for a long time because I thought I'd found that organisation. And okay. it was a healthcare organisation and I thought, well, of course, you know, we're going to be connected values and how wrong I was. Um, it was a really uh, difficult, as, as someone who was responsible for people in the organisation, I found it really hard that people were not looked at as, as humans and I had to continually remind the organisation um, of who we were dealing, that we were dealing with people and we were having significant impact on them. Um, so eventually I, I worked out that that was not where I need, I needed to be <laughs> um, and they needed someone different um, in the role as well um, so we negotiated our way out of that and I had a little career break um, okay. and I think at that time that would have been a really great time to experience get a grip of the grind. So why why then would you have said it was a good time to because you went under retreat why then why would it have been a good time at that juncture? At the retreat, I realised a few things. Like as a woman, um, I think that we are multi-dimensional um, in our responsibilities. So I'm a partner, I'm a mother, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a professional, I'm a colleague, I'm a friend. There are so many. It's like an umbrella with all the little sections. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes when that umbrella is so full all of the activities just carry you along and you don't have the yeah. time to stop and reflect. Oh. Yeah, and be deliberate in the thinking. When I stopped working in that previous role, I was so desperate to find another role because who I am as a professional really defines me and I felt a bit lost without being connected to who I was because very proud of what I do. So... Um, I was really desperate to find a new role and have purpose again. Even though I do have purpose in all those other areas, it's like what, I don't want to sound like a movie, but, you know, it's what completes you. Yeah. Um, you feel, you feel um, full. And um, so uh, I was really desperate to find a new role, but I really should have been um, deliberate in my thinking um, about what that role was going to give me very pleased to say that I made the right choice. Maybe the universe helped me out a little bit. So so you got gifted four days away on a 20-acre bush block in um, Bright Jacinta from that time at the Women's Networking event, but you chose to bring your sister with you. Yes. I know we had a we had a retreat and everything, but I probably never really got into. I know your family's quite close now because I think I've not quite met all of them. But... Met a few. <laughs> and at the retreat, I know you got a lot out of it, but you weren't in a crisis space. No. So there's probably two things then: one for you and one for Jed. So why did you think Jed needed it? Jed uh, is someone who just doesn't know how to say no. She's such a pleaser for everybody, and she's just really generous and giving 
we're very close, you know, we near to each other. And so we often spend, you know, time exercising together and um, socialising. So I play a bit of a role, I think, sometimes for her to debrief about things that are going on from a business point of view and personal point of view. She needs what I saw, what was of value, which is that opportunity to be very deliberate in her thinking and understanding her own capacity and what she can do and what she needs to do for herself because she'll run herself into the ground. She's very busy, she's a very busy person with lots on, lots of things to achieve, yeah. Yeah, and she, it's a fine line I think for her because she feels good when she's achieving but she also gets really frustrated when things aren't going yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. And what about you? Well, I know it was a gift. I know you were, some aspects of it, you were pretty keen to go and have a crack at. So what were you hoping to get out of the retreat? I look at all opportunities and experiences as a chance to build a toolkit for me professionally and and personally. And I thought I had recently, um, before, before I had the opportunity to go to get a grip of the grind, come across a retreat actually it was it was right at the time when I was finishing up uh, working at the previous organization where where things were quite difficult and then a friend suggested it to me and it was a retreat in Bali I'd never done a retreat before or anything like that and had an opportunity to go away and time to reflect and just pause it was it was a lovely retreat actually it was about physical well-being mental well-being um, and just the simple things in life that we need to just be. And I was curious, I guess, then when Get a Grip of the Grind was offered, how some of those things at the Bali retreat maybe could be experienced in, at yours, <laughs> um, which it was very different, but some, some of the things were um, a constant, I think. Uh, the opportunity to, to stop and think because life isn't carrying you along. Yeah. It's really hard to get off the treadmill, isn't it? It's really hard. It's really hard. And it's interesting, like now in the COVID crisis, the treadmill has, has slowed down because there is no extracurricular activities to go to. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. I've so not, we're not driving kids around everywhere. Travel is um, gone. Yeah, socialising has gone, going to the movies, all those things. But the benefits are family time. We do things together. You know, in our household, we sort of had this chance to, to bond over games and card games and things that we wouldn't have done under normal circumstances at this time. That, that's another reminder, I think, about, you know, getting out of the grind to just stop, experience the moment and each other. Yeah. yeah, I kind of see that more as a, it's an investment, isn't it? To take that time. What what would have happened, you know, for you in between those two gigs, between the your second last one and your current one, if you hadn't have tried to stop and think about what you wanted? I could have potentially ended up in the same situation I already was in. Uh -huh. um, you know, I think back to our retreat our, at the Get a Grip of the Grind. Jed and I were there and there were another two members of that um, retreat group who were in different, were experiencing different things and different challenges in their lives at the time. And the great thing about Get a Grip of the Grind is this alumni um, approach that you have where you can keep in touch and these people are, 
a part of your ongoing network. And I just think it's so wonderful. So at the festival, I got to see them and re-engage with them and saw how different their lives had been and, you know, the impact that the experience and your involvement had had in their lives was just beautiful. It was amazing, taking them in a completely different direction. So that was a great positive for me as well to see how the experience had built uh, a different path for them. Yeah. So what has changed for you after attending the retreat? I, funnily enough, I got your letter, my letter, my 12 month letter the other day. Um, yep. There's a lot of things that I had committed to myself as a goal that I've achieved, which was really pleasing. Wow. So at the retreat, I, I remember talking to you about um, something that I wanted to introduce in the workplace. Yep. It was a big risk. It was a risky, <laughs> I called it career suicide. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, it was an executive development experience for the executive team. And I wasn't part of the executive team at that time. So I was reporting to one of those members. But this is a great reflection on the organisation. They were really open and flexible and wanted to experience something new um, and prepared to take a risk, which was great. Some of the feedback that I've had since then is that was the best development experience that they had participated in uh, in that organisation. So I felt really happy about that. I think you're massively underselling what you put this executive team through and how big a risk you felt because it wasn't just curating a vastly different experience for them that you were seeking. You were seeking impact as well and you were going to be facilitating quite a lot of it. So you had three major aspects of of this because I do remember having a few conversations with yes. you. Do, do you want to share a little bit of what you pushed them into after coming on the retreat? Their prior development had always been around sitting around a boardroom table with a whiteboard or a flip chart and discussing things. They'd say, oh, that was really good. And six months later, things had never really changed. Some of the, there were fractures starting to appear or cracks that were starting to appear in the relationships within that team. So I felt it was really critical time to have an intervention to change things for the future. But I wanted to not just make it a program that would remain static. I wanted it to be ongoing. I did pick your mind about a lot of different things. One one part was if we knew each other better when things became challenging and critical in the workplace, perhaps we'd have more tolerance for each other. I encouraged everybody to write their life story and to share their life story with each other and me not being part of that group. I actually wrote my mother's life story and shared it with them, but I didn't tell them it was my mum's story. I just said it was somebody's I'd found Uh, and then eventually I revealed it. And my message in that was sometimes ordinary people do extraordinary things and extraordinary things happen to ordinary people. That was sort of the theme that came into their life stories that they shared with each other. And um, it was really emotional, actually. Everybody became emotional in sharing their stories. And I felt that was a really powerful piece of vulnerability. It wasn't scripted. You can't make it happen. It just happens if it does. Yeah. Um, 
although I was a bit stressed about that before it started, but once we were into it and, and we saw that way through, it was it was really, really good. We I wanted them to have an immersion experience. Hear, he first hear somebody else's incredible story. So I found this um, person, Australian, Victorian, who was an SA, member of the SAS and his name's Mark Squirrel Taylor, Squiz. And he eventually went on to work in NGOs and um, climbed Everest for the World Food Program. And he tells his story of overcoming adversity. So it was, the theme was, you know, great stories and learning from other people's stories. So he, he told his life story, which was great. And then he completely changed character and he was like, went back to when he was in the SAS. Um, and he did this amazing immersion experience where he asked us as a team, we were, it was a fictional country um, yeah. and we were there to recover Buller's assets. So he gave us some instructions. The team went out into the Macedon Ranges and basically went through um, the paces of this fictional story where he was an actor and he kept reappearing um, as different characters with other actors as well. They taught each other how to abseil and eventually abseiled out. And it was the, the worst weather conditions ever. Like the rain was coming in sideways. It was about... Let's keep on going. Um, so we again that wasn't scripted it just happened the look on their faces we've got this great photo of the team at the end how proud they were and how happy and you know they were they were one yeah Yeah. it was a really um really great moment following that um the, the third pillar of the experience was getting them to make a commitment of what they would do with each other going forward and we're going to revisit that commitment. So we've already done two revisits of the commitment. We were just about to have another one when the the crisis hit. So um, that's been postponed for now. But um, I think on reflection, I I was never been so stressed about running anything in my life. But, you know, and what if someone fell off the mountain? Oh, my God, what if, you know, all of these things are going through my head? Oh, I do Um, a few conversations with you and because I'd spent the weekend with you and I'd seen what you were like on the retreat and stuff, I actually had a huge amount of confidence in your ability to make this work. (laughs) There was no doubt it was going to come off as long as you had the right guy, you know, the right people in those other expert areas. Um, And I know we did do a lot of talking to try and get this to where you wanted it to and for me the art of the facilitator is knowing when to push and when to back off which for me I could see in you which is why I had that high level of confidence in your ability so you getting stressed I could see it coming through some of the emails and stuff um it's not unusual when it's your first one or you're taking such a big like I mean this was such a monumental diverse experience um, for you and your executive team but what got me was when I opened my inbox one day and found this picture of you and one of your colleagues in two hijabs as part part of that experience and I'm thinking oh my god she's really gone out there and tried to freak them all out (laughs) so you took the risk and it's paid off yeah, it did. So the team's in a much better place. I am now part of that team in the executive role, which was one of my objectives that I set myself 
at the retreat with you was that I wanted to be appointed into that position. I'm thrilled that what I was able to offer them was a real life experience of what it would be like if I was part of their team. So they got to see. Because it's a family business you're in as well, which makes that sort of, um, I suppose those trust levels are on a whole different paradigm, aren't they? They certainly are and external people come in as an outsider and it takes a long time to sort of build that trust and credibility. So really fortunate, really proud and happy that that was the outcome. I think I'll be there for for a long while yet, really enjoying it. Was there anything specific about the retreat that helped you into that space or catapulted you to take those risks? Yes, the opportunity to sort of, so some of the activities that we did on the retreat were well and truly outside my comfort zone but the elation that you feel after after achieving what you think you can't. it's amazing isn't it you know so we we did abseiling yeah um, and saving on on the retreat abseiling i thought i'd be okay with but i actually was was pretty nervous and anxious what i learned from that experience then going into into caving was the positive talk and the mindset had to be really clear to get you through like that was important in those circumstances i was very nervous about caving because i'd had a terrible experience diving i kept going back to that in my mind where I'd got caught. We were we were scuba diving and I went under a swim through and my tank got caught and I'm off and I was stuck. No, so I was sucking, really sucking the air and luckily the dive master yeah. came back well, and helped, helped undo me. And so I was fine. But that was going through my head in caving because it just sort of is something very a real, very real experience that you just go back to as a frame of reference. I knew how important mindset was, having it, being positive, um, talking to myself positively and looking forward to the elation at the other side. When I look at the experience I did with the executive team, that very fearful experience that I was so anxious and stressed about, the elation at the end, the reward, the, you know, the satisfaction that I had challenged myself to do something so far outside my comfort zone and then deliver it not just bump over the line but do it well was uh was awesome so that's how i i feel like i need to go back to those experiences in my mind when i'm pushing myself outside my comfort zone i think there's a few things there you know for me we've always got this bloody imposter syndrome sitting in the back of our heads making us doubt 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 which is why for me that whole adventuring and stepping outside your comfort zone and it's it's not like you're doing it in a i don't know people laugh at me when i say this a risky environment but we have got guides they're like they've got 30 years experience they've got more safety backup safety triple safety systems and you can, and i know it doesn't feel like it when you're trying to go through those sorts of things but that is absolutely there and they're also exceptionally skilled at reading people and making sure like they've I think they've only ever had one person that I know of over that time that they've actually had to back out out of the um, or take them out through a secret passage to the caving system they do everything to get people through and out the other side because of that huge sense of satisfaction and exhilaration of achieving something that you probably thought was impossible. Absolutely. And they're, they're a real part of it. 
their style and their their um, their presence is an important part of the experience. I think they're just really great people, and without them, it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> it wouldn't be. They're they're passionate about the outdoors, and they understand the impact of adventuring and that sense of. Um, achievement and climax you know you get when you're out the other side um, so that that for me is one of those you know it's an it's a no-brainer taking people out of the classroom putting them into a real environment like what you did helps people actually move away from the theory and come full frontal with not only their own realities but also the realities of other people's emotions in that particular environment and just takes that um, anesthetic away, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where you're experiencing it raw. There was this one point in the immersion where they had to make a decision under pressure, even though it was acting or, you know, a a false or fictional environment. Yeah. It was really real. Um, It took place in this part of Macedon called Camel's Hump. Oh, yeah. What was created was this reference that we continually can go back to all the time when we're under pressure to make a decision as a team. And so it was this really great artifact from the whole thing. So I'll go, okay, well, let's go back to Camel's Hump and what would we be doing now? And it's good because it puts them back in that place. Uh, You've got an anchor. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. We know we if we actually rely on the team, we know we can do it. There's been lots of longevity, I think, from the from the whole experience that's just weaved its way into our way of working. Going from the retreat, which is a very intimate, dedicated experience, where basically I really do get to watch and um, guide and support and poke and prod and um, give, you know because we had four people on it. I usually don't do more than six. You get a lot of one-on-one attention um, and and totally immersed. You know, there's there's no technology. We're on a 20-acre bush block. You don't really see civilization because everything comes to you or we drive up the mountain to meet the adventure guides. Um, to the festival. So what, because you, you're one of the few that's done both. How did you find the the festival? That was great. Um, there was little snippets. I, I felt like that was just like experiencing something for a brief period of time to give you enough of a taste to know whether you want to do more of that, um, whether that be in your personal life or a more intimate experience like the retreat with you. What I really liked was the balance between self-reflection, so the workshops hearing other people's experiences, the guided sort of personal activities with outdoor adventure activities. So there was there was a nice blend. It was a great excuse to have a pause time um, away from all of those parts of the umbrella <laughs> that I talked about yeah. before. Yeah. Being out in nature just is so, it's such a powerful thing. You hear people talk about it and, and you say, yeah, yeah, it's really good to get out in nature. But until you do it and when you've been starved of it for such a period of time, you realise how special and important it is to do 
because really my whole psychological well-being changed from the minute I left on Friday where I worked up until the last minute until I left to get to Bright yeah. um, and coming back on the Sunday. And actually on the, my uncle was critically ill and mum rang me, rang my sister, another of my sisters came to the festival with me and we're in the car together. You know, we planned to get home and take mum and dad to the hospital and all those things. And I said, oh, it's interesting. Having been and experienced the festival actually put me in a totally different mindset for managing that crisis when I was coming home. Wow. And, yeah, I think if it had been on the Friday, it would have just been one more thing that would have just, you know, tipped. The feather that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Yeah, there are so many benefits. If you can't coordinate every so often to be able to do those things, the festival gives you that opportunity, even if it's once a year. Yeah. Even if it's once a year. I mean, that's sometimes, and some people have to, you have to be satisfied that you can give yourself at least that because it's it can be difficult to fit everything into the umbrella that you're trying to do. Yeah, it can. It is. Um, I hear such a huge amount of excuses. We um, promote and try and encourage people to come and do this because for us or for me, it is all about that impact. It is about taking that time out. It is about, you know, supercharging your confidence and boosting your ability to be more superhuman in the work, you know, that you do and take those risks and have a more exhilarating you know, full life. And like you said, with the festival, you don't get that curated experience. You get to tailor, chip and pick away. But gosh, it still it still has an impact, not quite equivalent to the retreat because the retreat's quite unique, but it still has an impact. People still make major life decisions and they've had them standing up attesting to that from um, time to time in there. But it's hard to pull yourself out of the grind. It's hard to say, you know, do you know what? But my partner will probably not die while I'm away for the weekend. I'm sure they'll, you know, they'll still be here. And if all the kids eat is, you know, pizza and chips all weekend, that's okay too. Okay, that's right. And if you put your oxygen mask on first and look after yourself, take that self-care, you're better able to manage all of that for everybody else at work and at home. I think I see a lot of different situations that it would be good for. You know, I'm like I said to you, that sort of healing, that healing experience where you're at sort of a crossroads from a career point of view or a personal point of view is a great time because it gives you that pause the retreat was definitely good for that. Um, And I could see that with my other counterparts who were there too, but it doesn't have to be about that. It can also be understanding your purpose and making sure that what you're doing is aligning to that purpose because it gives you the chance to think about it. I'd like to thank you, Jacinta, for giving me your time. And and, um, I'm sure we'll no doubt in touch over whatever next experience you're going to put your executive team through as well as uh, maybe seeing you at another festival. Yeah, you bet. There are so many things we can take away from listening to Jacintha, but probably the three big ones for me are just 
get yourself off that treadmill. Invest in yourself. Take that time out to recalibrate about what's important to you so that you can then align your choices as those decisions about your life present themselves in the future. Secondly, when those choices do actually present themselves in your life, you have so much more confidence and so much more control over deciding which ones you're going to let in and which ones you're going to let past. Therefore, shaping and defining the life that you actually want to live. And finally, I guess we're back to that imposter syndrome that continuously plagues us women in particular. When Jacinta decided to actually jump off the cliff, she backed herself to deliver an outstanding experience and a very unique experience for her executive team by relying on the best crew she could possibly find that would support the ultimate goals and outcomes that she was seeking. There is nothing that Jacinta hasn't done that any of you listening to this podcast are capable of achieving. Get off the treadmill, invest that time in yourself, make those choices now so that you can filter what's good for you and your life going forward and then back yourself to make and shape the life that you want. So, if you like what you hear, we've got plenty more to offer. You can join us for our monthly webinar chats called the IFA webinar series on the second Sunday of the month, starting the 10th of May. Come and meet us in person at our annual festival held on the last weekend in February in Bright. Or come and join us on one of our intimate retreats that we hold biannually. Our usual IFA series, which is a combination of talks and weekend warrior events. All of the details you can find on our website, getagripofthegrind.com.au or connect with us on our Facebook page and Instagram.